Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Three, two, one, check, check, check. Magical time of the year. And you are loud and clear. You say it's absolutely perfect modulation. And it's not louder than mine. That's very important to me. <laughs> I'd never, ever want my buttons to dominate your <laughs> buttons. Because <laughs> we used to have something called board ops back in yes. the day. That we control our voices. Now board ops are, they're on the air. They're executive producers. They all have podcasts. As a matter of fact, I think every board op other than maybe the best one I've ever worked with, Bobby Machado, my longtime partner on the radio. I think every board op right now in all of radio has their own podcast. Well, it's incredible. It also goes to point out the way that radio started to cannibalize itself, and then the companies couldn't afford the radio stations that they owned, so they'd have one person do five things. They'd have a pro- they'd, Instead of a program director for the rock station and the country station and the sports talk station and the easy listening station, they had the <laughs> same program director for all of them. They didn't ask him. They told him. And uh, so that instead of paying each one a hundred thousand dollars, just give the program director a twenty thousand dollar bump for the you know each one, and so it was the same thing for hiring people on the air. Oh, I heard the board op talking to Jimmy at night. He sounded pretty good. Instead of hiring the second person to work with Jimmy at night for a hundred thousand dollars, let's keep paying the board op seventeen dollars and just have him do it. Well, everybody has opinions. If you're in radio, you should yes. have an opinion. If you're in podcasting. You should have an opinion unless you're doing a crime scene podcast because those are the best ones. Those are the ones that trend the most. Hey, I want to thank our audience here after Looney does the live read. That doesn't sound live. It sounds like he rehearsed it his whole life because. No, no, no. You screwed that up. It doesn't sound like I'm reading. It does sound live. It just won't sound like I'm reading because I'm a broadcast professional and a voiceover professional. It'll just sound like I'm talking. When I talk about bet online, it is the number one source for all your betting needs, no matter what you like to bet on the NFL, college football, the NBA, you know what sports you like, and you know, you can wager on all of them now, no matter you, where you are in the world with the World Wide web at BetOnline.ag. If you type in BetOnline.com, it'll pop up anyway, but it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. And even boxing, even golf. <laughs> Don't get me going on that. I still haven't found out. I found anybody that's won any money betting on John Rom. Uh, head to betonline.ag and get your 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. And make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, as in the Believe Radio Network or the Believe Podcast Network. B L E A V. And that's the way to get your 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts. Our podcast numbers are up. I heard from my son who's posting. Ever since we went on video to see your shirts and your different art and your Marilyn Monroe <laughs> background, our numbers started to spike. So my son really looks at all the numbers here, and he's congratulating us because we're getting our numbers up. Well, I want to hear the congratulations personally from Todd McFarlane of Spawn fame because I know he's been listening to us very closely for a really? long time over the years in studio guest at one point back in the day right yeah one of the guys who came in with his toys and figurines and yes. comic strip characters and all that very successful i've lost tr- i've lost buying... touch with him so if he is oh, watching yeah? he could reach out i'd love to hear from him again yeah uh i remember he came in and we were just fascinated by how much he knew about the show 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it, down to the so we showed, you know, you can tell how much often people listen by if they give you some kind of detail that only a person who listens all the time would give you. And he also, I think when we invited him in studio, he was going through his phase of buying home run balls. Yes, Mark and McGuire balls and guys who had home runs before steroids. Bonds, overpaid, before they were caught with steroids, Whoa. yes. Yeah. Which is an honest mistake. When you have multi-millions, yeah. you can make mistakes like that. Hey, kind of like that crazy kid with the hair. What? That crazy kid with the hair with the Cripco, Cripco oh, FTX yeah. wiped everybody out. Who would be stupid enough? to do business with that idiot who would be stupid enough even if they knew if they even claimed to know what ftx was and even claimed it the guy who's on the cover of every tabloid right now people are losing money athletes and movie stars are ashamed and he was just arrested i think in the bahamas for that right. it's too complicated to get into why he was arrested i don't know it was the bigger bigger ponzi scheme than bernie madoff yeah. but the topic for me is the people who are stupid enough to invest with Bernie Madoff and the crypto kid and all the other people. That's what fascinates me. The well, most. you know, it's also interesting as being a newscaster now. That was one of the lead stories. And during the week at KABC, I also do national stories as well. As well. And I, I ignored that story. You know why? The same reason some sportscasters ignored anything for years about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because they were afraid they'd have to say his name. I, I, didn't, I knew I wouldn't know what I was talking about. Sure. So I, you know, so I have plenty of you know stories to pick from going on in the world. I stayed away from it because you know, you can avoid making a fool of yourself on the radio if you avoid any area of uh, uh, where you don't know what you'll be talking about. It's all very complicated. And I'm wondering this: How long will Crypto.com Arena be named Crypto.com Arena? Three more days. Yeah, <laughs> two more weeks, I believe. Wow, uh, not yeah. much longer there. But again, I think what they did, and that's an interesting topic, is I think the Lakers got the crypto money. And I'm going to blur here for a second. There you go. Yeah. I think crypto ended up paying in advance. That's a great lesson for the youngsters who are listening. Whenever you're getting involved in something you're not comfortable with, or you're talking about naming rights for all that, get the money up front. If you get the money up front and everything crashes and burns, it doesn't matter. You can always take the advertisement off the jersey. Exactly. The advertisement off oh, the roof. Yeah. But as long as you get the money in advance, you're okay. If you have the money on a 10-year lease or a 20-year deal and that company goes out of business, then you're not going to have that money at yeah, all. Like Enron Field. And I'm hearing that this scandal is bigger than Enron. Yeah, it is. It was, it's in the billions of billions. So and I know you're a big Sunni fan. You went to a Sunni school, which you see as the Ivy League of, uh, of the Northeast, other than the Ivy League. And uh, the, uh, the guy who was uh, at the top of the, the chain with the Enron scandal went to Sunni Oswego, JT. So he's a Sunni brother. Of Can I get into my, uh, my theory on my education and Sunni, please? Sure. So I went to SUNY at Geneseo. My dad chose it for me. It was amazing. I grew up in a time where your dad chose where you went to college. And this was pre-internet. I graduated high school in 83. So when my dad really didn't run by me where I wanted to go to college because he did the right thing, it wasn't my choice. No, one, no one's supposed to have a choice at 16 or 17 where they go to college. I wasn't going to say Paris or Tuscany, and I wasn't going to say I wasn't good enough to get into Harvard or Stanford. So my dad, and it's really a truly You were also story. busy partying in the woods. Yeah, so I was drinking beer with cowboy hats on and denim jean jackets with furs, building only, fires in like the woods. Like me, you were only going to college because you to- were told you I were going to college. I was only reading the back of Rush albums and the vocals of Leonard Skinner. I wasn't doing much at that time and playing sports. But when my dad had to do all the research on his own, 
for me and my best friend, Jimmy B, one of my only friends who listened to the podcast. I'm always amazed. Jimmy listens to every podcast that my father came up with this and he thought it would be a good value to go to SUNY Geneseo. I was swimming in high school and maybe we'd be able to get something. Not You didn't get any scholarship for a state school, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the grades to get into a school. It was a, it was a good school at the time. So he got in. I started swimming there. I didn't last long as a swimmer because you had to get up in the snow and the freezing cold of the tundra oh, yeah. at six in the morning. It took me a month. That was a tough phone call telling my dad that I quit the swim team because that's how he got me in. And then I joined the rugby team immediately and played four years of rugby there, which was a lot of fun and pledged a fraternity that changed my life for the positives. But by the time I graduated Geneseo in four years with a speech communication degree, barely got out of it. I wouldn't say barely got out. I got out of there. And then I went to become a stockbroker, the movie Wolf of Wall Street, The Boiler Room. The movie The Boiler Room is about the exact group of guys I worked with. So I went into a boiler room company by the name of Sherwood Capital at the time. And five, six, seven, ten years later, all of a sudden, SUNY Geneseo became the Harvard of the SUNY system. You needed a 98 average in high school and like a 1,400 on the SAT to get in. So when no one knew where I went to college years later, everybody knew it was a really good college. And I still bump into alumni and friends and people that know of Geneseo State University, my proud alma mater. When I go back into the hot tub time machine and take a look at my first years in college, I got into a very prestigious acting school. At, uh, that was associated with Adelphi University on Long Island. Yeah, great they only school. accepted Long 30 Island. students per year. One of the other students that was accepted was the guy that wrote, produced Rent. Became oh. very famous over that. So I got into the acting school. I'm a freshman in college. I go to my movement class, and they were, I'm from upstate New York. Everybody there is all ready, and everyone's wearing tights. Everyone's wearing tights, and I have on shorts and a football jersey. Because I know nothing about tights. I'm from upstate New York and a football player who happened to be a good actor. And so at the end of class, I had to ask the teacher or another student, where do you go buy tights? And I went and bought my tights. And I came back to my dorm room and put them on. And I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm changing my major. Were the tights too tight? Was that the story? Were the tights too tight? Yeah, you know, a lot going on there. You're very young and healthy. You got the tight tights on. I'm like, I'm not liking these tights. I'm from upstate New York where he wore work work boots and flannel shirts. And And I also think to myself, my scheme is, you don't have to study acting. I'll just move to L.A. and become an actor anyway. So I switched it, and I did. But I So I switched my major to political science. And as we know, I eventually went on to Penn State. But... Uh, and got great grades in college because I studied what I wanted to. That's another advice we have for our young, the young people who listen. Study your passions, and it won't feel like it's hard. And same thing with whatever you do for a living. If it doesn't feel like it's work, you'll get good grades in college. And in life, if it doesn't feel like work, you'll live longer. Well, I have two kids who are currently in college. Okay, so I have two. I have a senior. Do you believe how fast that went? Unbelievable. It's incredible. And I have a sophomore. Two big prestigious schools, out-of-state tuition, which I think I've mentioned 96 times now (laughs) on this podcast. And one of the things that I realized, because my dad was very strict and he cared about education, my mom too, cared about my education. 
But I realized early in college that my education, even though I went to a good school, wouldn't matter to me. It was my social skills, speaking in front of people at a fraternity, yep. uh, doing certain things and building relationships. Yep. So for me, early on in college, because I struggled at times academically, no shock there, but I realized I was in college to make relationships. And I remind my friends of that, uh, my friends of that and my sons of that. One's in a big prestigious fraternity. My younger son is not. And I always encourage them to meet as many people as you can, because some of them are going to be super successful. Some of them are not. They're going to be your best friends. Right. You're going to have to have that experience. And my dad and mom didn't put the pressure on me. You know, we need, you know, straight A's. We need to see this. They knew they met the guys that I was coming back from when I pledged my fraternity. They met the guys who were in my backyard in the summertime. And at times it must have looked really hard for my parents to look at some of these guys. A great story. Some of the guys that I went to college with were lunatics. I mean, legendary. We're talking about the movie Animal House, the characters in Animal House. Those are the guys in my life. And I would bring them back or my parents would meet them and they definitely scratched their head. Who are these guys? And my mom brings up all the time. Now we're talking about 30 years later. These are some of the most successful people in my life. Some of the sharpest and most important people. And it's nice when your parents can let you experience those type of relationships. Not everybody's going to be great. Some people you're going to have fall, falling out issues with. Some might not go turn out to be successful in the way your parents would want to. But I've been so proud that over the decades, my parents have sat down. They've been at weddings. They've talked to people that I was in college with who turned out to be some of the sharpest and best people I know. One of my favorite stories about my brother, who you know I boast about a lot, one of the smartest people I know, Started with nothing, grad, uh, retired at 42, uh, graduated third in his class in high school. Went out to Notre Dame, a rich person's school, and we were not. Uh, we were a family of three when it came to push and shove uh, with my mom and my brother. And uh, he, you know, he went to Notre Dame. Condoleezza Rice was at Notre Dame when he was yes. at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has rich and famous people go to it, the people who eventually become rich and famous in the business world, et cetera, et cetera. My brother's best friend from college and uh, you know, we only had a couple of guys at my brother's wedding because he got married internationally. Yes, he did. Uh, in Indonesia, crazy. State Department told me not to go, which made it more fun. And, uh, and he was his best friend in college was a guy with schizophrenia who had to drop out when he was a junior because there was too much pressure. Mm-hmm. That's the character of my brother in that uh, because the kid couldn't do anything for him, that's mm-hmm. not what it's about for my brother. My brother just... That was his best friend in college, and they're still really close friends. All right, we got a problem here. Normally, we don't prep for the podcast. We just talk, right? That's what I want this podcast to be. You and I are great friends. We worked together on the air for 14 years. We don't want to put a lot of super prep into this. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we should prep four hours a day, but we both have other things happening. We love the podcast. So I don't fight with my wife. I'm one of the few sports talk hosts who haven't been to therapy, haven't been divorced, and I don't fight with my wife. We disagree often, but we don't yell it out and do that. But my wife encouraged you to go to therapy. Nevertheless, this is my therapy right here, if you haven't noticed. And the clock is ticking 36, 33 (laughs) minutes. Well, there is concern for me now. There's concern for me in the house this week because I'm team Megan, Megan Markle. I've watched the Harry and Megan uh, the three-part documentary series on Netflix, they released it. Mm-hmm. And I'm Team Megan. I, I agree with Megan Markle now. I'm seeing their podcast, 
And a lot of people are clapping back on me. A lot of people are saying, oh, my God, she's this, she's that. Oh, she's that. And I said, no, 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 no. She put out a documentary, and she took control of the narrative. So a few things I want to start before we get into this. Number one is super rich celebrities have the ability to do documentaries and get paid. A lot of times they have to pay to put together the documentary. You know how much they make? They lose money. No one watches these oh, documentaries. when you make a documentary, you lose money. It's just got to be because you care about the issue. Yep. Harry and Meghan got paid so much money from Netflix that they can buy multiple mansions on this project in Montecino, California, Santa Barbara. So I was going to tune in because, you know, I have a fascination with the royals. Right. I believe I'm going to come back in my next life as a servant to a royal. <laughs> Not a royal, but I'm going to be I'm going to be either downstairs in Downton Abbey or I'm going to be upstairs uh, doing something. Uh, time out here for one yeah. second. I, I have said that we both, I think, we're already a sultan or a royal in life yes. because we don't want to stand in lines. Yeah, we want to cut and, lines. Yeah, we always lead and we don't follow. Anyway, I've always thought that uh, that I was a royal in another life as well as you. Go ahead. So without getting into the politics behind this, Meghan and Harry, they released the three parts. I'm waiting for the other ones, and I'm anticipating more of this. And my big takeaway early on is no matter what you think of Harry and Meghan, they wanted to do this documentary to get their story out. Very similar to this podcast and this one at a smaller level. Mm-hmm. We control what we say. Right. If people don't agree with our sports opinions or this or that, that's fine. We could come on this platform and clean it up. We could tell you what we really think. Right. And then you could judge us by saying he's full of shit. I kind of laughed at that. I believe in this. So all they did was they believed that they had nowhere else to go. They didn't trust anyone else, so they wanted to do it on their own. I love that. That's what everybody should do. We laughed in the beginning that everybody has a podcast today. Right. Well, they did their own podcast. This today. is who we are. Yeah. This is who we are. You think we're full of shit. You really do. You don't believe it. You think I'm money hungry. I want to be a princess. Harry thinks he wants to break up the royal family. We're going to tell you what we think. And they put it out with their own home videos and the way they wanted to frame it. So after watching three parts, without getting into super detail, I just like the fact that they took back their story to control it and give their narrative because they're competing against the scoundrels of the European and British tabloids. If anybody doesn't understand that and think that the British tabloids can control their life, which they have, they killed Princess Diana, the paparazzi. They killed her by chasing her down. And they said, no, we want nothing to do with this in our life. This is our story. You're not ruining my life and you're not killing my wife. And that's pretty much Harry's, which which you can't blame him for. The day she died, I remember where I was on Whittier Boulevard in my car. And the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, she's got two boys because I live in a house with a mom and two boys. So that's the first thing I thought. And. And so I've always, I'm very empathetic to his, uh, his trauma. Uh, and and so I, so hearing that after I've seen all three, I have to admit it. Don't tell anybody. And I, I, I texted a friend of mine. There's a friend of mine, a smarty pants friend of mine. She writes for the wall street journal known her since the eighties. And she's my friend's other half and uh, my friend, Bobby, and they've been living together, but not married since 1984. And uh, so we always exchange good books, good movies, good wine, uh, texts. And uh, I was—I told her, 
I love them. I've just seen all three episodes. I love them. Now, a caveat here. Howard Stern came out with his criticism of the mm-hmm. documentary. Of course, in talk radio, the dirty secret, talk television as we watch, even politics now has become the World Wrestling Federation, and negative sells better than positive. How, mu- how long can I go, or how long can you and I go saying we love them? Yeah, that's not as provocative as saying they're whiny pussies, which is what I think Howard Stern said. And but but I I really uh, their story appealed to me. Her story appealed to me. She's an L.A. girl actress, by the way, like my brother and not me. She graduated first in her class. So she's not only right brain, she's left brain reciting poetry that she wrote in sixth grade from memory. Did you remember the poem? Yeah. Remember when she, she recited the poem about having divorced parents. Made, Living in two know, different households. Yeah, two houses, two phones, two, two couches. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that was rough. But they uh, they really, uh, it, it, I think they're, oh, and the work that they do. One of the reasons why they ended up a couple is because of their connection to Africa. And, uh, and, and and helping indigenous people in Africa, he, uh, Harry doing it through the royal family from when he was a young hooligan. And uh, so they sent him over there, and then he loved it because he was just another guy. And these are good people. They're good people. He's, he's want, a lot like his mother. I want to focus on the media side of it. That's okay. what's fascinating about this. Of course, they're sleeping next to the elephants. They're going on safari. They're helping right. out. They want to do everything. She works for the U.N., all right, there's a lot of charity work between both of them. Say what right. you will about both of them. They do a lot more charity work than people, most people do. Right. And I just love when you could take back your story. That's all this is about for me. Take back your story if you get rock bottom. And I love the reaction. I talked to one of our mutual great friends, and you, know, you mentioned Howard. They're whiners. She's trying. She knew all along what she wanted. She wants to break up the royal family. Oh, that's uh, she's a gold digger and all this. Okay, let's assume that's right. Where'd you get that information from? And this is where the conversation breaks down on the other side. Where'd you get the information from? People Magazine, Access Hollywood, the tabloids in London, the tabloids who control the life. I thought it was really interesting in the documentary when they show that basically the tabloids for 30 years have been allowed to cover the royals and have superior access. And they showed this graph of the access that they have. They tear them down. They beat the shit out of them, and then they still have to quote-unquote perform for those tabloids when they show up at events. And the people that get to ask the first question are these horrible tabloids that rip the family apart whenever they want to, and they basically said, no more. We're going to do this on our own. And people are going to have to live with it. So look at, don't look at the documentary. Look at the people who are criticizing her while they're watching the documentary. All their criticism seems to be is she's full of shit. She's money hungry. She wants Actress. to climb to the top. This is all fake. This is all fake, right? She's suffering depression. She has a couple of kids now. She had to get away from this life. She wants back in. She wants to have the world that she wants. That's really the only criticism and all combined people who are criticizing never met her, don't know her, and got all of their information mostly from trash. And I think one of the things that people pick on and human beings and we are all, you know, and, and we, we've joked each other on and off the air when we've caught each other being very inconsistent. 
How can we be inconsistent or spout off an inconsistent or hypocritical opinion? Because we're human. And so they're trying to say, we just want to have our own life, have our privacy. But then they're showing us their kids and their house and everything else. Yeah, that's a little inconsistent, but that's also because they're human and we can be. And sometimes in life, we all want it both ways. Steve McQueen, if I I I sound like Mike North making a Steve McQueen reference. (laughs) But Steve McQueen, but, but but Steve McQueen, a Hollywood legend long before our time, would walk into a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard with sunglasses on. But if he had to wait for a table, he'd take his sunglasses off. And that's what also comes with fame, and he was born into it, is there are perks of fame that you enjoy, and then there's stuff that you don't. And uh, so it all, it all makes sense if you just sit and listen to them. A couple of people I was thinking about with this topic. First, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer has been destroyed, yeah. rightfully so, for his behavior on the Today Show and the way he treated female employees. I've never heard his voice on this topic. Never. Right. So Matt Lauer, if he put out a documentary, people have destroyed his career to the fact that his career is destroyed. Okay, he's funneling through money. He did wrong things, which we know to be true, but we don't know all the details. He's not taking back that side of the story. That's different than Meghan and Harry. They want to tell you about their life, the pressure that they live under when they were living in the UK, part of the royal family. They just were at a point now with their safety, their security, the roles that they wanted to play, the life that they wanted to lead. They wanted to have fun. They want to have fun. They want to go to the beach. They want to do certain things you can't do or you don't do much on top of their royal work. I just want to see more people having the ability, not the guts. These are all celebrities. They have the ability to take back their story, fund the documentary, right the wrongs of the story, and go tell us what really happened. Wouldn't you love to see that with Charlie Rose, Bill O'Reilly, Matt Lauer? I wouldn't care about it with Harvey Weinstein or other people, but I, oh, athlete, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is the biggest whack job in the history of sports. Right. Okay, all I he- see is the side of the story and his behavior. If you were able to tune in and get his side of the story, would you tune in? I would tune in, and I tuned into this because I wanted to hear their side. Well, you're right in this way that that's always more interesting because people are complex. Uh, Bad people have good sides. Good people have bad sides. Uh, Bad people have good days, and good people have bad days. And uh, anytime you can see more of someone and what they might be like at home, uh, what they the things we don't know, you never know what somebody else's trauma might be. You never know what somebody else might have gone through. And we, I think all, anytime we go throughout our day that, uh, you know, I, t- I talked about, I read the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. It's all small stuff. And I learned nothing because I could have written the book. And I'm lucky because I was raised that way by a very positive mother that I, that I don't sweat small stuff. But there are people who also have gone through uh, childhood trauma, let's say, who, or, mm-hmm. any, or adult trauma who do sweat small stuff, but maybe for that, the same reason that I don't, because you never know what they went through that caused them, causes them to sweat small stuff. So anytime you want to have anybody who wants to make a documentary and give, own the story and own their side of the story, it's always fun to see because human beings are complex and interesting and everyone has an interesting story. Everybody knows on God's green earth, most the majority of people around the world know how Princess Diana died. They know. They know that she was chased into a tunnel in Paris by the paparazzi, the car, the driver out of control, killed her because they were racing away from the paparazzi. 
And the Harry driver was, may have been drinking. Yeah. Yes, and there was a lot to that. Harry is the youngest son. His life is ruined. He goes through all the growing pains under the microscope of the paparazzi and the British tabloids. So finally, he marries someone he really falls in love with. He gets under that microscope again and calls the timeout. So he did call the timeout. And everyone is saying, not everyone, but a lot of people are saying, oh, she's doing it. She's making him soft. He's henpecked. Oh, he's whipped. She's making him do this. Everybody. The criticism is so amazing how he's whipped like he's under her thumb, how she has an ulterior motive. And maybe, just maybe they wanted to tell their story. So, so far, halfway through, my point is, don't watch it because you're Team Megan or you're Team Harry. Watch it because you want to see someone take back and control their story because a lot of people can't do it. And the other thing I'll say, which people are calling bullshit on, is they are very celebrity-ish. They do hang out with Oprah. They do have friends that they she would not have if she was just an actress on Suits and never met Princess Harry. She would not have oh, that yeah. level of celebrity yeah. that she does. And I think that makes people jealous. And it also makes people scratch their head going, why did she cut the line as a celebrity and go right to the top? Well, she married a prince. Yeah, and another thing is sometimes people hang out with uh, people who can who they can relate to, and sometimes you can relate to other people's the crap other people go through, even though the other people also want maybe wanted to be rich and famous, and worked very hard to become rich and famous, and then being rich and famous is a pain in the ass, and uh, and when you're around other rich and famous people who are driven and driven people also like to hang around driven people and big people with big goals can relate to other people with big goals. So that it, celebrities hanging around celebrities, I don't see any, that's another superficial reason you say, do you think that's superficial? It's also superficial to knock somebody for that. Uh, well, people, people love being around celebrities. They do. Oh and my God. When you're at a certain level, when you're around celebrities, you got to learn if you've been around it a lot, how to tone it down a bit. Because you see that a lot. You'll see someone, if you're around a celebrity, you're fortunate, and for mostly for us, it's sports. Right. But when, when, when someone meets a celebrity for the first time and it's their idol, I don't judge that person. The, person, the person's out of his mind. They're right. meeting this celebrity. I've seen it with Joe Montana. They walk, it's like the moment of their life. They'll never have that moment again. If they whip out their phone, if they ask for an autograph, if they say something a little bit uncomfortable because they're so into the moment, I don't blame anybody for that. That's part of being around celebrities. This documentary has a lot of celebrityness in it, and there's a lot of reasons oh, yeah. why yeah. people look at Meghan Markle and say, no, she's an actress. She came from a certain type of family. She got to this point in her life, and look at her now. Look at her now, and she's gravitating to the top by telling this story, which is very salacious. It's very dramatic. And people are going to have a tough time watching it, but they shouldn't make a decision on her until after they're done and they could understand her full story. Well, I loved it, and I didn't know shit about either one of those. I didn't ever watch Suits. I, I didn't buy into the hype. I was in England when they got married, and I was there for a funeral. Who are you? Yeah, well, I was there for a funeral, if you remember. So I wasn't paying attention to, to the wedding because uh, I had the same suit that everyone had on, but I was there for a funeral. And so I wasn't paying much attention to it. And I, you know, I didn't really know very much about either one of them. So I went into it really objective. And I like to pay attention to what's going on in the world. There was a lot of hype around it. 
And so I watched it, and I enjoyed it. I'm a people lover. I really, I really enjoyed them. And I know, you know, every documentary comes from a particular point of view. Yeah, that's what they're all about. Theirs is about owning their story, and I enjoy them. And I enjoy the good, you know, good deeds they've done. My mother would, my mother would say, be friends with them, not because of their status, but because they're they're doing, you know, they're doing good deeds in Africa. I watched the Celtics and the Lakers for two reasons. As I tweeted out at JT the Brick, it used to be the biggest thing in all of sports. Forget about World Series. When the Celtics played in Los Angeles, not in Boston, in Los Angeles at this place used to be called the Great Western Forum, mm-hmm. the before Staples Center at the Forum, when Larry Bird came in with McHale and Rambis and Jabbar and Magic, for a Bostonian, and there's a lot of Bostonians, as you know, on the right. West Coast. That's yeah. the toughest ticket. The game's always delivered because they only played once a year, one game a yeah. year until the NBA Finals. And we were lucky in the mid-'80s to see him play in the NBA Finals. So quickly I tune in. The Lakers are getting embarrassed early. They have one of their greatest comebacks I've seen in the Anthony Davis, LeBron, Russell Westbrook era. They come all the way back. I think they are up 114-103. I mean, any team would have closed this game out. Right. Jason Tatum played like Kobe, and I want to make sure I say Kobe because Kobe's one of the greatest of all time. Tatum took the game over late. The the game's on the line. Anthony Davis misses two free throws. Oh, my God. Uh, He misses the free throws. Tatum has LeBron on him, does a turnaround jumper. LeBron gets the ball for the last second, and OMG, he dribbles for 10 seconds and shoots a shitty three when he could have just took off to the rim like a freight train with triple muscles, got yeah. fouled, did something. They go to overtime. Anthony Davis touches it once, and the Celtics win. It was great basketball, very dramatic, right there in your backyard in Los Angeles. And Anthony Davis is uh, playing a lot, play, playing all of a sudden like he's 25 years old. Uh, Russell Westbrook is being far more disciplined this year. And yes. lo and behold, after a, after a shitty start, they could be a team that can make some noise. <laughs> Later on not according, not according to Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley afterwards on TNT said, why are we showing this team? It was great. So sound. He goes, uh, do, so he goes do we show the 12 seed in the Eastern Conference? And he'll look at his notes. <laughs> the Washington Wizards. It was the Wizards. And they were saying, do we show Bradley Beal? And we don't. But the Lakers moved the needle. The Celtics moved the needle. It was really good basketball. One of the great rivalries in sports. And it spurned another topic again. And I think you agree with me on this. Typically, basketball is now so bad before Christmas. I mean, it stinks so bad that it was a bad night last night because you had the Warriors and Giannis. Giannis, the best player in the world. He beat the Warriors. Warriors don't care about anything. I've never seen a championship team, never, as Stephen A. would say, that cares less about the regular season as a current reigning champion than this version of the Warriors. So that was the early game. The late game was a classic, classic between those two regular season. But the NBA doesn't want you to know that these games are on because the load management and the product's so bad before Christmas, Tom. Yeah, and that's too bad because it was such an enjoyable game to see last night with the Lakers playing competitive basketball. And, right, I said they're going to make some noise. They may make it into the playoffs. I don't know if they're not going to win a championship. But LeBron Anthony Davis did bring us one, oh, a couple of years ago. It's 2022. They brought us one in 2020. So I'm not, you know, it's too early to complain. Milwaukee Bucks had to wait from 71 to 2021. Uh, for a championship, so I never complain when the Lakers have a down year, and uh, and, and 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 you know well, 
I'm the number one Laker apologist in the United States of America, the greatest country on earth, and I will never stop. All the all the Lakers care about this year is LeBron passing Kareem, which he will. It's an important record. No one knows the number for Kareem. No one, no one on the in the world can recite that number, and no one can recite what Emmett Smith's all-time rushing number is. But it's important to be number one. It's important. It's important to be the greatest scorer, all-time scorer in NBA history. To have the most home runs in baseball, to have the most yards in the NFL, the most goals. Ovechkin scored 800 last night, joining only Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. I believe in milestones. I love numbers. I love statues. And LeBron's going to get the ultimate number passing Kareem. Well, greatest of all time number is what he'll get to. Greatest of all time label he's going to get at some point. We've been... After Michael, people got upset whenever anybody was any good. Kobe really got people. You're not Michael. Mm-hmm. People acted like you know he was a stepdad or something. And but with but with with LeBron James, longevity is part of being a Hall of Famer. Of part of is. being the greatest of all time is having the luck, or maybe it's through working out on nutrition as well with LeBron. It's all of it of not getting hurt very often in order to be able to show up night after night after night. I quoted you today. Still on a sports note, on a life note. So I'm flipping through Instagram, and and I put it on Instagram. I didn't give, I didn't attribute the quote to you though, because I wanted to look like a genius. And it was, it was Michael Jackson, in an arena that was closed, practicing. He was singing Mm -hmm. a cappella with no band, singing uh, "Man in the Mirror." It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Right? He's just practicing. And so I made a copy of it and my story. And I said, how did Kobe score 81 points? Practice. Your kids, that's what you told your kids the night Kobe scored 81. They say, well, 81? How do you score 81 points? And you took your boys aside and you say, how do you score 81 points? Practice. And here was this legend practicing. Did he need to practice? No. Or maybe the answer is yes. Does anybody other than Michael Ryan, the award-winning author who wrote the book, Make Your Career Go Boom, Not Bust, anybody other than Michael Ryan listen to all 37 minutes and 37 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast? It's a rhetorical question. I don't know the answer to it. I do know that the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.